Hello, everybody, and welcome back to the Starting Small Music Podcast. I'm your host, Justin McCormick, and today we have a very special guest with us. We have country music radio personality, Graham Bunn. You're going to hear Graham's story of growing up in North Carolina and playing pro basketball in Germany. You'll also hear about his time hosting the TV show Real Country and now hosting his country music radio show on AMP. I had a great time talking to Graham. I hope you guys enjoy the episode, and we'll see you at the end. Just keep a smile on your face and it'll be okay. Try not to be bitter. You gotta do it either way. Keep a smile on your face and it'll be okay. So when life throws a jab, you gotta duck out of the way. How you doing today, Graham? Man, I'm doing good. I, I, I want to thank all of your other guests that were unavailable today and, and let me tap in and, and, and be the plug, you know? No, nah, man, we're really excited to have you on the show. Um, so getting right to your story, I know you grew up in uh, Raleigh, North Carolina. What was it like growing up there? Yeah, I mean, it was cookie cutter. So, you know, you, you go through life and everyone has their own story. And most people's stories are one of especially success stories. And by no means am I a success story, but most of the great stories in this lifetime are like, Oh, they over he or she overcame all these obstacles. I don't have that upbringing. Like I was raised in a wonderful family. My parents are best friends. They were sweethearts since like 18 or 19. Uh, my dad's a Marine. He's my hero. My mom, you know, it, it, at an early age, I realized she was doing things that women of the seventies and eighties, weren't given the opportunities to do a lot of the things that my mom was able to accomplish. So like I looked, my parents were my heroes. They're still my heroes. I grew up in a wonderful neighborhood. My sister and I are close. Like, I don't know. I'm probably not going to be a success in life because God gave me all my blessings on the front end, you know? (laughs) (laughs) Well, so what kind of music was getting played around the house that kind of made you feel a connection to music early on? We weren't, honestly, we weren't a huge music family. Now, my, my father, uh, he builds cars, and, and my dad and I, we built my first uh, vehicle when I was 16, I guess 15 or 16. We built a 1966 Mustang Fastback. That was my first car, which it sounds really cool, and it was, but it took us like 18 months to get that thing running. And when you're 16, like, all you want to do is drive your car. You know right. what I mean? Yeah. Um, but in the garage, I will say my dad never once – can I remember? And we spent a lot of time in there together, which I would never, I didn't appreciate it as a kid, but now looking back on it, just one of the coolest things I ever did. He would, it was relentless with the Willie Nelson, Waylon, Patsy Cline, like all of the, just the icons. My dad, you know, as a, as a, you know, turning a wrench, there was always country music playing, which was really nice. For sure. And then what did you gravitate towards? Like when you're in high school, kind of getting your own taste of music. Yeah, I was a Wu-Tang guy. Like, I played basketball. And so, like, uh, my my musical taste, uh, which is fine. Like, it, you know, it's great. But I, I definitely have changed my musical taste over the years as, as I've grown up. And uh, I think some of the things that I appreciate about music, I would imagine that there's great writers in every genre. But I have started to really appreciate and gravitate towards the ability to tell Similar stories, like the whole Shakespeare, there's only six stories. You find different ways to tell them. Songwriting, I think, is just a unique talent and ability to make people that you might not necessarily, and for the most part, would never meet, 
feel an attachment to you of like, oh man, I'm going through that too. Like I get it. Like I've been there. I'm there. Like this person is speaking to me personally. And so, you know, I, I played basketball and all of my teammates and, and most of that culture at that time was rap. And so I listened to a lot of rap trying to fit in. But I think once I left home and started to really kind of find my own personal identity and like my attachment to where I come from and, and just wanting to stay true to the wonderful upbringing that I was given, I, I would always circle back to country music and, and the songwriting. And then when I fell into country music for a job, then it was like a, a meshing of both worlds, things that I enjoy, things that were paying my bills, things that I wanted to be successful at. And so I think that really kind of poured gasoline on kind of the, the spark that was the origination of my musical journey when I was a kid. For sure. Now you're talking, talking about basketball, you got to go play pro ball in Germany. What was that experience like just coming out of North Carolina, being over there playing? Yeah, it was amazing. I mean, I grew up in Raleigh, North Carolina, like you said, for anyone that's listening to this, like that is commonly referred to as tobacco road, which is I 40, which is a large, uh, highway that runs across America. But in North Carolina, I-40 connects NC State, Duke, and Chapel Hill. So those three major colleges and universities when I was a kid, even NC State, you know, won the national championship with Jim Valvano in 1983. All of those programs were really relevant, were really good, and basketball was on the front page of every paper uh, no matter what time of year it was. Baseball season, it was basketball. Football season, it was basketball. So Growing up there, it, it was just like, okay, I want to play basketball. This is what everybody thinks is cool. I want to be cool. I'm not cool. So let me let me play. And I just loved it. So, yeah, being able to play professionally and say that somebody was dumb enough to pay me money to play basketball, I, I think is a really cool thing. And uh, I get a lot of looks where you're like, man, you, what do you mean pro basketball? No, that's got to be a misprint. Maybe pro baseball. But, yeah, I was, I was a pro basketball player for a little while. So how do you end up in L.A. coming out of that and working in country music? Yeah, I mean, it, it's a, a long story and it's kind of well covered because the girl that I was dating at the time is, has gone on to do amazing things in her career and, and, and is, is well in the public light. But I was dating a girl uh, from all my children and we were living in New York. I, I was being the worst model that has ever existed in the modeling industry. But uh, I was doing that in New York and I met this young lady and she and I started dating and it became really serious. We moved in together and the show that she was working on, All My Children, moved to L.A. And so we moved as a couple to L.A. And I was hey, in L.A. I was slinging a hammer and I was doing construction and slinging drinks and bartending up until the, the day that I was hired to be the morning show guy at KKGO. So it was, you know, an act of God for sure that got me in there. I had never done a day of radio in my life. So I, I know everybody in the radio industry probably hates me. And they're like, oh, this guy didn't, he didn't come from Boise, Idaho or Chattanooga, Tennessee. He just started in LA. Now, when you first got to LA, were you mostly kind of working off uh, the connections you made through modeling or were you kind of going out trying to network yourself to be a radio host? No, not at all. Like, uh, honestly, I, I was not modeling anymore. I was bartending and, and doing landscaping and literally, um, I mean, I guess it's a convoluted story and I, you would have to ask my former boss who hired me, but the story that I was told was I used to run a clothing company for underprivileged children and we would partner with different charities and like we would do events and raise money for certain charities, you know, for, for children and, and, 
I gave a speech and I can't remember where this talk was, but I used to give talks every once in a while on like social entrepreneurship. And it was at the beginning of like where Tom's shoes was blowing up and like all these products, the red campaign, all these products that companies were selling were attached to a social initiative. And that's what our company did. So like for every product we sold, we gave $6 to an adjoining charity. So if you, one of the ones that we're most proud of was Alex's lemonade stand for pediatric cancer research. So for every lemonade stand t-shirt that we made and sold, we gave $6 to the charity. And so it was just kind of a cool way of being attached to something bigger than the functionality of the product that you're selling. I gave a speech and uh, I guess my name showed up on a certain list of either Christian celebrities or people doing things in the, the, the space of charitable give back. And I think the person who ran the station at the time read an article about me, pulled up that talk, heard that I had a country accent, saw that I lived in Los Angeles and was like, Oh, well, why don't we just bring this person in and we'll have him audition for it. And I did audition against a large number of radio hosts that were brought into to be the morning show guy for the Los Angeles radio station. And, you know, fortunately for me, I I got the gig and I, you know, I felt strongly about presenting who I was as a person. And I think one of the things that worked well for me in radio is sometimes being a classically trained person in any industry can help you blend in a little bit of like, oh, well, that's kind of the mathematical equation that you go about introing a song or doing a conversation. And for me, it was really just an authentic conversation of life, music, lyric, story. I was more of a fan than I was a host. So the questions that I would innately go to were that of a fan, not of a radio host, not like, hey, what's your single? Uh, how long you been on the bus? Like it was more of like, man, what was the girl's name that you wrote about this? Like, I got to hear the story. You know, it was just literally life stuff. And I think at the time, maybe this is not the case. And this is just my point of view. I just think it was a little bit different than what uh, was being heard on the radio at that, at that moment in time. That definitely, I feel like had the the fans kind of feel more connected to you. Cause it was almost like they're, you were given the questions that they wanted to hear that they had instead of coming from a host perspective. Yeah, I, I mean, honestly, I'll be the first person. And, and and again, there was some pushback and I did get some pretty snarky comments at like radio events where people would come up and then, you know, they obviously didn't feel that I had paid my dues to have the job that I had. And and I, I get that. I, I support any and everybody that, that goes the long road and is, you know, putting in the hours. Look, I was a guy that my dream was to play college basketball. And if you didn't think I spent every waking second of my free time and sacrificing to accomplish those dreams, then you just don't know anything about college basketball. So I, I'm no foreigner to, to hard work. And I think one of the things that got me to where I was, was a lot of that hard work in just a different vehicle. You know what I mean? Like my, the delivery system was different, but I, you know, I slang a hammer. I drove a pickup truck and moved furniture. Like I was living the life that people talk about all the time. And I grew up in the country. I grew up around farmers in my family. And like, I could relate to some of it. Like Eric church went to school where I went to school. Luke Combs went to my school. Like I landscaped the mountain. Eric church got married on a week before he got married. You know what I mean? So like there was just content and subject matter that I had in my back pocket that I don't think necessarily anyone that was interviewing for that job had. And so 
the product itself, I, you know, I'm very proud of the product that we put out on that station. And I turned a six month gig because they, they're like, look, we'll give you six months to see if you can do it into like a six year deal. So, uh, and then fortunately for me, I got offered a TV gig and uh, I moved on from radio for a little bit, but yeah, it was great, man. And and again, I, I'll never say I wasn't blessed. I wasn't fortunate, but I think when preparation meets opportunity, that's where wonderful things happen. So I, I'm, I'm never turning down or making apologies for someone giving me an opportunity. I just want to make sure I make the most of it. For sure. Now you talked about your TV uh, gig, a real country. You got to, do that show alongside Travis Trich and I, Twain, Jake Owen. Kind of talk about that process. And I mean, I know Larry Fleet was on that show. What was that like? Yeah, yeah, it was great. Uh, it was amazing. Again, and somebody at NBC, I think one of the reasons, and and I am really proud of this. Uh, I'm not allowed to talk about like what celebrity. There was a few celebrities that were in talks to do that show as the host, but the powers that be, I think the gentleman that created Real Country, uh, he was also the creator of The Voice. And oh, wow. so he carried a lot of weight and this is kind of a funny story. So I, I guess someone had come to him and said, Hey, the morning show guy here in Los Angeles on country radio is, you know, uh, we'll just say they said I was entertaining or has fun stories or seems like he's got a lot of personality. If you want to take a look at him, you know, I think he's worth a 10 minute sit down in a meeting. So they took that meeting and they thought enough of me to let me audition for the creator of the voice slash real country. So they send over this monologue and they're like, all right, you know, look this over. You're going to get in the room. Uh, you're going to open up the show and you're going to act out as if you're hosting the show. I'm like, oh, okay, cool. And they're, they, you know, you'll have a teleprompter in the back, which I'm well-versed in and yeah, it'll be great. Like, okay, cool. So I go into this audition and I'm really proud of this, but at the time I like, it was one of the most like, what? Uh, and this gentleman is a, he's a no frills kind of guy. He walks in, doesn't say hello. He just sits there. All right, we ready? All right, go. And I'm like, uh, I was told there's going to be a teleprompter. He's like, no, no, no. Just, I want you to give it to me. Just like, give it to me how you would right now. So I'm in there by myself with the creator of The Voice, like auditioning for a show, which, you know, for me, I'm like, oh, cool. A national television show. There's a wonderful opportunity. And yeah, I don't know. I, I guess fight or flight kicked in and I knocked it out of the park and the guy gets up and he turns around. And he goes, yeah, he's our guy. Let's go. Just cancel everybody else. I was wow. like, oh, shit. So like I was in shock. I did. I walked out of there and the person that like ushered me in was like, uh, I guess you're the guy. Congratulations. Yeah. <laughs> I was like, oh, all right. Uh, and then unfortunately for me, uh, you know, the next day at my radio gig, they're like, yeah, if you take that job can't come back here oh wow <laughs> yeah that's dope though and now that opportunity actually led to your current uh project right now hosting uh on amp your daily show kind of talk about that yeah i mean again like i think life is a sequence of dominoes that you know one thing leads to another thing and sometimes if you're doing a job and you're not necessarily happy in that job you you know they always say dress for the job or prepare for the job that you want not the job that you have and so you know, just like in sports, hey, if you show up to practice and play well, you're going to get in the game, you know, ideally, theoretically. And so uh, the the thing with AMP and Amazon Music, uh, I think, was predicated on, honestly, stuff like this, stuff that you're doing right now. Like, honestly, you'll probably I'll probably lose my job to you soon because I think having conversations with interesting people. Now, that's where you're failing. You know, you got me on here, but I'm sure your other ones are great. Uh, I think it just opens people's eyes. Anyone. 
I was in the bar business for a long time, and my boss used to always say, hey, look, anyone can go into a bar and order a Coors Light. Like You get a Coors Light at 100 different bars. It's kind of the service and how you make people feel when they're drinking that Coors Light. Anybody can say, hey, well, you know, welcome to the show. This is the latest from Sam Hunt. You guys, and anybody can say that, introduce it. But if you kind of pull the curtain back and make people feel a certain way or help people understand what the artist was thinking at the time or if you and I've been very, very blessed and very lucky to be able to maneuver and get into rooms that people in my position have not traditionally been like been on the bus with artists and doing a couple shows or flying out or, you know, I just spent a couple days with Kip down in Charleston and his new new home. And, um, you know, we didn't really talk about music a ton. We talked about life and we talked about things that he's dealing with. And um, I think that my ability to connect with people on a personal level has really opened up a lot of opportunities for me in the business world, not necessarily my ability to introduce songs or, you know, ask people about their tours. For sure. Now you're repping a really dope, uh, like vintage Chris Stapleton hat. And I know that oh. you were, I know that you were someone that was really pushing for him before he even broke into the scene. So my question is who's someone you see now that you're pushing for that you don't think that everyone else uh, knows is going to be the next big thing. Well, first off, uh, I do want to uh, thank you for saying that because I, I think, you know, I hang my hat on that. Uh, Chris Stapleton is someone that I, I got in early and like his management team, they're really good to me. I don't even know if Chris knows my name because every time he sees me, he's like, Carolina, what's <laughs> up, Carolina? Um, because I was pushing for Chris and I, I won't give any names, but there was there was some people that told me to my face, this is not going to work, blah, blah, blah. I'm like, you're an idiot. Like, this guy's going to be the, he's the future. Um, and And so I, you know, that was a good one to hit on early. Yeah. <laughs> like, it was a good one to hit on early. Uh, right now, there's, I mean, there's so many with the development and the evolution of, of guys like you and platforms and streaming services, the world of upcoming artists has exploded. And I mean, I love Matt Schuster. I love Josh Ross. I mean, both yeah. of those guys, I think, are incredible. Uh, I think Bailey Zimmerman's a little bit too big already to be like, this guy's going to be great. Uh, but he's another guy that I was in on early and then talked to his management. And, um, you know, Megan Maroney, she's already exploded. She's too big. I think May Estes or Estes and Ella Langley, both, you know, all of those are incredible. Uh, yeah, it's just the new crop of artists is – uh, yeah, like again, they say like a hundred people move to Nashville every day to do country music. Well, you know, five of those end up breaking through, but those five are ridiculously good. So it's, it's really hard. What about yourself? Like, who are you loving these days? Who's a new one that you've really been championing? Well, mine is definitely Lauren Watkins. And uh, mm -hmm. she was actually my 10th guest on the show before she even had a record deal. I saw when she was just writing in town. Let's so go. To, so to see like her starting to explode now, I mean, I think she's going to be one of the biggest acts in the next couple of years for sure. Yeah, that's awesome. I mean, Noah Khan, uh, he's ridiculous. I, he's probably a little too big, but I, I got him on. I got stick season on repeat right now. I can't get off of it. And, yeah. you know. Zach Bryan can do no wrong, but he's like the biggest name in the business. But he's another guy like in 2019, I remember hearing, I can't remember, it was like a a sound clip of something in the orange. And I was like, this dude's going to win a Grammy. I remember calling yep. someone who's very well off in the music business and being like, this dude is going to be it. And, uh, you know, obviously he is. I'm always pushing for Dylan Schneider as well. Uh, being another country artist from uh, Indiana, I'd love to see yeah. him just keep uh, breaking down barriers too. 
Yeah, Dylan's the homie. Uh, he's a little bit on my shit list. I don't know if he's listening to this, and if he does, he'll understand. He invited me to something not too long ago, and like I show up, and it's like me and my former boss, and they're like, dude, like what? I don't want to be here. Oh man, but he's the best, dude. I, I love that guy, and obviously wish nothing but the best for him. So to close out my interviews, I like to ask, what's a piece of advice you would give not only to uh, people that want to work in radio, but to the aspiring artists out there as well? Oh, man. Well, one, I'll apologize to any and everybody for thinking that I'm cool enough to give advice. But if I if I was pressed for it and you seem like a great guy and, and, and I do want to thank you for your time or thinking enough of me to do this, my advice would be. Uh, there's no more authentic or real version of yourself than you are. So find a way to do what you want to do, but not sacrificing who you are as a person, because no one can replicate what you authentically bring to the table. There's, I, I totally agree with like training and learning and putting in hours and becoming a part of whatever industry that you are. But I do think that the one thing no one else can do better than you is be you. So find a way to be you through and through of whatever you're going after. Well, guys, I hope you enjoyed this week's episode. Thank you so much for listening. And thank you again to Graham for coming on the show. Everyone go follow him on Instagram at Graham Bunn. Check out Starting Small Music on YouTube to see all the video content from our interviews. And also follow Starting Small Music on Instagram at Starting Small Music. And let us know who you'd like to hear on the podcast next.